peanut butter fishes. Here we go. Today we have Nolan Brown and Derek Wesley of Multi Ultra. Boys, thank you for coming back on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us back. Of course. Tell me about your new single. So we recorded it at Rabbit Hole Recordings, which is uh, Nolan's studio at his house. Mm -hmm. And uh, we recorded it over the course of a few weeks and it was produced by Tim Craven, okay. who we've worked with uh, for the past at least five or six singles. Well, more than that, seven or eight singles. It's been at least a solid year with Tim, if not more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's really good at guiding the process. He is. He's, he's, you know, great with uh, the pre-production, too. He's not just – he mixed and mastered this one um, as well as, you know, the, the hours kind of leading up to recording. And um, he's like, you know, he's the fifth member of the band and uh, brings a lot of – The fifth multi? The fifth multi, that's right. That's right. He brings a lot of vision, you know, to uh, to what we're doing and kind of helps, helps us rein it in. And as Nolan has said before, you know, helps us – kind of dig ourselves out of the weeds and see the see the full forest not just the, the yeah, trees absolutely i think uh, one of the benefits of having a producer is having someone there who can be objective when you're up in your own head about a thought or you're just into it really into an idea for for truly no reason mm -hmm. they can kind of pump the brakes a little bit and say hey let's not go that direction absolutely Keep yeah the train on the tracks yeah I've definitely been been guilty of going off on tangents. Us, so, us too. So you guys got this new video. Uh, talk to me about the the new video, Danny. Can we get a little bit of it? And this is up all night, full screen, up all night. Thanks for playing it, man. Wait, actually, give me a sec. I'm gonna screen record. Okay. All good. That was sick. Yeah, just real quick before we play it, it's uh, this is our tenth single. Um, okay. And we. Uh, really poured ourselves into this one. Um, definitely a team effort to create the song, and um, a lot of the the scenes you'll see are us playing down at uh, Nudie's Honky Tonk, okay, down on Broadway. Nice, um, hell yeah. Where we get to slide in our originals. You're good. No, you're good. All good. Here we go. Nice. Are we recording audio still? Yes. Okay. This is like a Friday night down on Broadway. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. And for we, the B-roll. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, for the B-roll, the A-roll that you're seeing now is actually at uh, home in East Nashville, um, helping our music evolve, musicians evolve. Music evolve. Music yeah. evolve. And oh, yeah. That was part of the package that we, uh, membership, part of the package that we won with uh, the Music City Mayhem prize package. And, um it's really great to be able to use that space. Danny, you can bring it down some. Um, yeah, so uh, what what is it that you guys like about um, home? Why, like, why did you get a membership there? Well, uh, so we feel super blessed because that is um, 
that was part of the the winnings from the Music City Mayhem competition. Oh like shit! The, okay. The Lighting 100 prize package, you know, contained a couple prizes. Uh, this is probably the most um, underestimated prize, I would say, is we won a year uh, membership to Home, which stands for Helping Our Music Evolve. And when people ask me what is Home, it's a little difficult to describe because it can be so many things, and nobody really uses it the same way depends on like what your artist needs are yeah but essentially it's like a campus or a facility that has studios places to make content places to network and connect with things you're trying to accomplish um it has a live room that can hold like events um so it's got all these things and uh so we decided hey we'll fire up the b room and uh film the little music video content in there it was it was super fun yeah, I've I've been there a few times. I um, so do you guys know uh, Gerard Longo? He has a podcast called The Quinspin. Actually, I don't. Y- you guys should should definitely meet him. He does his podcast there. Cool. Um, he's been on the Poptimist a few times, and then I've also I played like a random one off gig in that back room. Mm-hmm. It was this dude. It was like his fiftieth birthday party, and uh, I he posted on gig salad it's this random like website to do like pickup gigs wow um and i hit him up and i was like yo i want to do want to do the the gig what send me can you send me the set list and it was all stuff like pretty much like broadway stuff sure for the most part um so i was like yeah i can do it and then uh yeah danny did the video at that gig and it was it was a fun night it was people from new jersey it was the this band called um wrong side of 40 I, I was the youngest dude in the band probably by like 10 or 15 years. Hmm. Probably 15 years. Yeah, this is the room. Okay, the room. nice. Cool. Yes. Oh, okay. So they, they are already have gear and shit set up in there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it can be full. It's a This room is uh, often used for like writing or rehearsals, um, but it is equipped with uh, recording gear as well. So you can, you can get a pretty great sounding recording in there. It's really cool that uh, something like this exists, you know, for creatives in Nashville. And um, they have different um, classes and and programs. And um, it is really like a campus, like Nolan was saying. It's pretty cool that there's the live room. Yep, that's where I played the gig at. (laughs) Sweet, yeah. And it's it's a great opportunity, like, for education, too. It almost feels like having... Um, a subscription to like Patreon or Masterclass. Yeah. Because I've been able to sit in on, you know, watching mixes get done or, you know, learn how to um, sound tech at, at some of the rooms, you know, and that's just been like a real thrill for me to do that. Um, so it's great. Fully recommend it. And it's a nonprofit. So, like, it doesn't really break the bank. Like, you do have to pay for a membership, but they have different tiers. Uh for you know what people can afford and it's not ridiculous based on what you get out of it like it's pretty reasonably priced and no one's really profiting like it's it's a non-profit um they get a lot of their money through grants and stuff interesting yeah um yeah it, it is a super cool place i've i've been there a handful of times just on the on the periphery kind of doing random things but uh what was uh you guys were really hustling pretty good for the whole Music City Mayhem thing. Can you can you talk a little bit about that experience and what it was like to win? Yeah, we uh, well we you know uh, had a lot of help from a lot of 
had little armies across the the country and uh you know all of us are from different places different states so we had a lot of friends and family helping us out we had a lot of friends in nashville voting for us and pulling for us and um just trying to uh uh trying to get the word spread the word and um, when we actually got to play at third and lindsley there was a lot of our friends from nashville there and um, a lot of other musicians it is a great venue we had never played there before and um, it's awesome to see like you know the other musicians coming out to support us uh you know because it's it's that's what's so great about nashville is everybody's helping one another and there's you know just a, a big community of musicians and artists and creatives no i i definitely agree in in terms of nashville it's it's like whenever someone has something going on that they're they're trying to accomplish some goal everybody typically rallies behind them and i think that's one of the things that i love about the city you know i don't know if you'd necessarily have that in la or new york but but really like here in in nashville we're only two or three people away from probably knowing someone that we don't know from kevin Definitely. bacon yeah from kevin bacon exactly <laughs> three people away from anybody yeah pretty much yeah it's a big web the scene is a is a connected web absolutely yeah yeah well that was cool i was stoked when i saw that you guys won and that you got to play at uh at third and lindsley great venue um but Thank yeah you. that's cool so you got the uh the membership for home mm-hmm. what what else did they they do for you guys winning we got we got a lot of cool stuff we got uh sweaters coffee um oh yeah is, is a nashville based coffee company okay that we get a, a year's um subscription to that and that keeps us fueled while we're do they, they uh they mail it to they, our doorstep uh, yeah that's what i was about <laughs> to ask do they mail it to you yeah, yeah. yeah. in fact gotta shout out sweaters ice coffee because it's delicious and they take the time to write like thoughtful handwritten notes to us like every month and it's included in the package so like there's definitely that personal touch to it that i feel like you know it, it goes a long way for me at least when i when i open up the mail and i see it on the first of every month i'm like wow they they actually care they're a cool local business and they care about the people that drink their coffee and that's more than you get from any other random little coffee brand yeah no for sure i think that the handwritten note goes a, a long a long way danny you are uh, becoming a pro at He's this honest, bro man. yeah he, so like uh it's so funny to me um, so to, to have this whole thing now, yeah. The um, the single origin is my favorite. Yeah, that one's good. What what flavor is is that? I think that one's a medium. Uh, middle ground is definitely medium, but the the single the light roast that has a ton of caffeine. Oh, oh <laughs> shit! It's yeah. it's like it's like in a can. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's shit! Okay. We, they they give us a, a kind of mixed bag, which is good. We get to try it all. Yeah. Um. It's super sick because if you, I mean, you can just open the can and sip it and it tastes like iced coffee, but if you pour it like straight up and down, like a hard pour, it's like a nitro pour and it kind of gets very Guinness-y or like it has that that, that foamy thing at the top. On the top, top, yeah. You just pour it straight up and down into a a different glass and it is is darn good. Can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, of course, dude. Okay. Fuck yeah. Swear as much as you want. No FCC limitations here? Okay, good. Yeah, it's fucking good, man. It's really good. The FCC won't let me be me. As Eminem once said. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, um, that's really cool. I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to check them out. Switters is what it's called. Mm-hmm. What a name. We got some recording time at SAE that we haven't used yet. That's oh for, shit, that's for the future. Dope. 
Hell yeah. Um, you know, Derek got a pair of monitors. Yeah. For oh, his nice. home studio. Um, yeah, they're cool. You they're know? awesome. Adam Audio. Um, Those are nice, dude. That's mm-hmm. a good brand. Yeah. It's uh, Which ones are they? You know, I, I don't know the model, but uh, my my place isn't really, I don't have a full studio set yeah. up yet. I'm in an apartment, so. No, I feel you, dude. It's, uh, I feel you. Yeah, Adam is a good brand. Um, they make some really nice shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, yeah. Uh, well, we got we got uh, Nashville Denim Company. We got a certificate for there. We got a certificate for Groon Guitars. Oh, um, damn. Mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah. uh, that uh, I think they're splitting. And, I mean, it was a whole a whole package. Um, and you know, just enough to keep us going. Um, and also like a really, um, inspiring experience to, to see, you know, people come together and make something happen, you know, for a little indie band, uh, you know, want to see us prosper and succeed and yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was, it was it was a, a great experience for us and like kind of uh, giving us the fuel to, to keep going. And um, yeah, I mean, we got to, yeah, got a song I'm playing on the radio. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's nice whenever something cool happens cause it makes you not want to quit for another six months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, t- definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And probably one of the, just the biggest um, accolades from that is it's, it's a nice resume builder, you know, it's like a, it's very validating to win a competition like that. Like, um, the success never happens overnight and it doesn't happen the next day after you're the champion of the competition either, but you know, zooming out in, it's still something to really truly be thankful for to have lightning 100 on our side, to have them dig what we're doing. Um, you know, to be represented by a a great local radio station like that. Um, that's really important to us. Yeah. It is really important to be, you know, to have, have that moment, you know, I think everybody will get that moment. Everybody that's working for it will get their moment. And, um, you know, that was just a taste of hopefully what's to come. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. You know, we've been, uh, writing a lot and, uh, actually hashing out some new material now and, uh, been meeting up and, and demoing and, uh, we, you know, got a lot of big plans, a lot of big goals that we... So when do you guys, does it start out just one of you, do you demo, do you like bring it to the band and have them come up with their parts? Like, what is your process? It's it's always different. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I'll come in with an idea or Nolan will come in with an idea and the band will hash it out or sometimes we'll get it in a, a, a jam session, you know, and, and we'll record that and then write some lyrics to it or and arrange it. Um, it's always different, but you know, it does tend to be, uh, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's always, um, we're always writing whether it's together or individually, but you know, I think that we all get our hands on it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. A collaborative process. Always, always collaborative. Sort of spin off that is, uh, I've learned, I think this year is that, you know, when you do get that, um, that lightning bolt moment of inspiration, it can be helpful to just do a quick demo of it that day, um, like whether you're by yourself or even if it's just an iPhone memo, it doesn't have to be all stacked up in Logic or anything. But uh, what I have found is that if the song is pretty new, that it's it's more beneficial to not make 
uh, a full-on demo of it yet. It's better to play it with the band for like at least six weeks or eight weeks plus maybe play it live because eventually you know you band practice it a few times and and it changes you 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 find that one little adjustment or you find that oh we're gonna make this a half chorus instead totally so if you've already got the demo done and three weeks later you 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 uncover that little treasure piece that's supposed to be in the song it's like damn well now i gotta do these guitars again for the sixth time so it's better actually we've found and the process is never like in stone it's a very fluid process but we found that like when we write a song we definitely give it um not only hours but weeks of time to to simmer like we'll band practice it and then we'll leave it alone for two weeks and we'll come back with a fresh perspective before we're making that demo and so we're kind of allowing that song to have a life um and go through those changes so that the best version of it can be realized. So that's been helpful to us. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's so many different methods, I think, and and it depends too on who you're um, who you're working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you guys have found that rhythm, so to speak, with each other. I, I for me, it, I think back on the different bands that I've been in. I, I play in this one band that's kind of an active right now. TH3 with uh, Teo Holden and James Varner, if you guys know James. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, but yeah, we that was kind of the way, that was like the first band that I really joined in Nashville. And there would be times where we wouldn't see each other for like two or three months or longer. And then we'd go back to one of the old songs and we're like, oh shit, I can do this on it now. Exactly, dude. That's the thing I'm talking you about. Hear, you hear different stuff. It's almost like a in a way, like a Grateful Dead way to go about it. Because it, you're discovering all these new things. And for me, I, I rarely have things that I'm committed to in a recording that I also do live. Like, there, there's certain things, yes. But I, I always try and give it the freedom. Like, I never want to play something the same way twice. I try to... I'll come up with, like, thinking, for instance, of, of Norfleet... Like, we have this one song, the one song that's been released called Mystery Girl, and the experience of playing that with James and Josh before we, like, ever really did it live, it, it, it's a total opposite experience um, because there's just different things that changed over time. You react to the situation differently. Yeah. You're in a different mood that day. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. the, that's the fun part about playing it live, too, is like I've noticed with several songs, you know, we kind of change up like there's like little um, nuances that are that are, that change with each performance. Sometimes like melodies change and it's like, oh, man, I kind of wish I had recorded it that way. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the, the magic of it, I guess. Someone who does that, I feel like, is a good middle ground between being jammy and also having like parts is Red Hot Chili Peppers. 100%. Because they will jam on shit live and change it up, but they also, um, they always play the signature licks, too. There's a sense of composition, of planned specific composition in their songs. Yes. That is more of just a foreshadowing of what the infinite jams that it turns into. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting it. We strive a, for that a little bit in yeah. Shelter. I think lately we've been doing a lot of more composition-minded parts. Yeah. Um, 
because that's just where our artistry is taking us at the moment. And I'm or like, we're embracing it because that can be a good thing. Like if you're totally. not improvising. So we're always striking some balance, but we've been leaning pretty composed lately and, and we're liking it. Yeah, we, we do definitely like try to play a licks, but like there are definitely some little melodies that I, I've <laughs> accidentally stumbled upon, you know, like, um, you know, you're out of breath, so you sing it this way, and then yeah, it's like, totally, yeah, oh yeah. man, that, that's good. <laughs> well, uh, Logan Hatcher <laughs> yeah, came on yeah. the on the podcast recently. He said, "There's the 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 right way, the wrong way, and the Broadway," <laughs> and that really resonated with me. Cause, that's funny because it's like sometimes people will call out, do just like, of course, it's mainly a covers gig. We'll call out some random song, and you have to talk to everyone on stage, and they're like, "Okay, can we pull this off right now? Is this oh, a yeah. song we can do?" And then we're like. Yes, let's just go for it and see what happens. And that's yeah. the Broadway, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not right at all, but it definitely is. Yeah. Uh, and and there can be some nosedives, but it's all about. I oh think it yeah, was, I think Miles Davis said, you know, it's about the the next note that you play. You know, it's how you recover from it. That totally that really shows like your skill. You know. Yeah. Well, there's just infinite possibilities with music in general. Um, that, and that's what I, I think the part of the reason why I got into, uh, the Grateful Dead and I also got into jazz. There's a great Grateful Dead documentary called Long Strange Trip. Have you guys seen that? I've heard of it, but not seen. So it's Martin Scorsese did it. Um, cool. and I, once I saw this, this was what sold me on the fucking Grateful Dead. Hell yeah. Um, to see them kind of talking about it on their own terms. Yeah. Danny, you want to play the trailer? Yeah, I got you. Cool. Thanks. But yeah, it's uh it's fantastic. They have some crazy legends, man. Um they're one of those bands that like you can kind of go down the rabbit hole with about uh they didn't weren't they the first to have like the um the arena speakers or uh the wall speakers, the wall of sound. Also thought that they were the first band where like fans were making like work or like mixtapes of their music. Yeah, yeah. like they encouraged field, like, it, right? Field recording, yeah, like yeah. Field recording. That's what concerts. dicks picks are. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> I've listened to those. Yeah, like, seventy two in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I always love watching the behind the scenes stuff like this. I know it's so fun. It's it's worth watching. Like even if you're mildly interested in the in the Grateful Dead. What a crowd, too, man. I know. So cool. So cool that it was documented, you know. I think that's the wall of sound thing you were talking yeah. about, Derek. No way. Yeah, dude. That's it's so in a Yeah, yeah that right that's there. So you were right. I'll, I was going to look it up, but I, I think you're right, Derek, what you said about the, like the they, stack they speakers. They built, like, everything was customized. Oh, my God. Yeah, this, like, it didn't exist, right, uh, before they, no. they built it. Oh, 
<laughs> this kind of reminds me of I've recently been uh, watching Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh yeah, all the classic like culture. Yeah, know? yeah. Sixties. Kind of and 70s. Is that good? I might watch that. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool watch. Um, it's uh, Elvis's granddaughter. It is. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that. Oh That's shit! Killer. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Killer. Yeah. And oh, um, who else? Is you can there? turn it off, Danny. Uh, someone else. Waterhouse. Suki, Suki Waterhouse. Is she in that too? She is. And oh, sweet. um, but I was really surprised that it was uh, Riley, Ko, Kyo. Um, Elvis's granddaughter. It's it's cool, man. It's like oh it's, shit, that's that's who Elvis's granddaughter is. Dude, yeah. Danny, can you pull her up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I I saw her in a couple different movies. What's it? What did you say her name was? It, it's Riley. It's like, it starts with a K, right? K E O. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, dude, she just inherited Graceland. She uh, look up if she was in the movie The House That Jack Built. But it's cool. It kind of reminds you of like I think uh, Stevie Nicks said that it like reminded her of her story, you know. And it's nice. I think it's loosely based. Yeah, probably. Honestly, I hate Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> I I do not like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, at all. I think you're right. She was. I don't know if I can get with you on that because I I definitely <laughs> revere her artistry. But I mean, at teach his own. DJ Sound, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, she was in it. Yeah, okay. So this, have you guys ever seen this movie? No. Oh, is it? Good? It is so fucked, dude. It is the most <laughs> fucked movie I've ever seen. It's fantastic, though. Wow. So it's like a, a Halloween movie, I gotta So watch. Matt Matt Dillon, he plays a serial killer, and he chops off Elvis's granddaughter's titty in one scene. Dude. And it, like, shows it. That's weird. Uh, dude, it is so I don't know. Fucked. I don't know if that's... Would you say this is, like, uh... One of the scariest movies you've ever seen. It's not necessarily scary. Like, I wouldn't describe it as scary. It is more um, psychological. Uh, it well, He's a serial killer, straight up. It, it shows a, a wow. graphic depiction of him. He has this woman and her two kids. He's been dating this woman. And then he takes them out hunting. And then eventually he kills one of the kids. The mom is in shock. Then it shows him zero in with like a sniper rifle on this kid's head and blow his head off dude and actually know. fucking what out. what is the scariest movie you have watched um oh, the wow. scariest movie danny we shouldn't we honestly shouldn't play this it is it is yeah that is the exact scene but we should not play it it's yeah. super fucked oh, up. okay all right I, I i would not uh i would not force you guys into watching that. <laughs> right. um, maybe if we're curious enough yeah you, go if, down that if dark you road. are down yeah. if you are down for some darkness it, it honestly it's a great movie it's a fantastic film sure it's um lars von trier uh as far I'll as the scariest movie that i've seen i don't really know if anything scares me today i would say Probably when I was a kid, I was really afraid of Puppet Master. Oh. I hated Puppet Master, dude. Whatever it was, I didn't like it. It really freaked me out. Now I like it. Oh, yeah, look at that. Uh, yeah, dude, that's the one, one I was I was afraid of, dude. That oh, is pretty freaky, man. pretty chucky you, looking. Have yeah. you guys no. ever seen this? No. So looks okay. pretty chucky looking. So it's about a um, a doctor who uh, who was like a Nazi or some shit, and he makes these puppets come to life and kill all these people. It's like an '80s, like late '80s slasher movie. There's Very a lot of Chucky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's just graphic killing and people like having sex and then like one of the one of the guys he has like a cone head 
that's a, a drill and he like goes up through this dude's chest. Wow. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's great. They there's a a reboot of it and the dude, um, the main dude in uh, Reno nine one one is in it. Nice. Yeah, you're getting us ready for Halloween. Yeah, that's about, dude, right, that's I, about I, around the corner. Yeah, I, yeah. I love horror movies. I've, I've already gotten into the um, – I just did a uh, Jordan Peele marathon of oh, um, nice. Get Out and Nope. And, uh, yeah, I was sleeping on those. Those are good. Another um, great one is um, same same uh, like franchise, A24, Jordan Peele. I think – is it called uh, Us? Yeah, there's, oh, there's a movie I, called I, Us. I need yeah. to watch this one. I will yeah. say Us – it's not gonna. I'm not gonna say like scariest movie I've ever seen. That's like a hard one to pin down. Sure. But this plot is super unique. I never felt for a moment that this movie was trying Certified to be fresh. any other movie. I, like, I've seen the trailer it for was, this. I never it's saw a it. Very unique plot, and I loved it. What do you Great guys think? Of scary movie. M Night Shyamalan. Are you M Night Shyamalan I don't fans? Know. I don't know. I don't is. know if I've actually watched. So he did. Um, I've heard the name. Unbreakable. Uh, What's the movie I See Dead People? Six oh, Sense. Six yeah. Sense. Um, and then also he did Signs. Have you guys ever seen Signs? Yeah. Is that the cornfield well, stuff? The yeah. alien one. Yeah. You you want to know a funny thing about Signs that everyone thinks it's like aliens, but have you ever looked at like the brand on a cattle, like the thing that they heat up and they they poke the cattle with? No. Yeah. It's 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 like a it's like a symbol. Each farmer has a symbol. Sometimes it's their first and last initial or whatever, or it's a or it's a it's a symbol. Oh like yeah, a yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That they will heat up. I mean, they, they don't. I don't know if they do this nowadays still, but they'll heat it up and they would like basically burn it onto to the show that it's skin. their property. So not to like debunk this entire thing, but the signs that you see in the cornfields that look very alien esque is usually just the farmer cutting the grass in the shape of his sign saying like this is my land like it's literally him just claiming his land oh shit yeah it's like it's like totally not an alien thing at all but it's not fun to it's fun it's to fun believe to believe, believe. Yeah. i mean yeah. they're they've they've came out and told us now i mean Dude, at this point you know conspiracies aside they have admitted you know, they, they've admitted on record. I'm and suspicious, that's a, dude. I'm automatically, anytime the government is like, yeah, this is what's up. I am inclined not to believe them. <sighs> no, I do not. No. I do not. I think there's, we have crazy ass technology that's so far out ahead of what we can conceive as the American public. And they also don't want Russia and China knowing that they have it. Right. And plus, also, if you really want to go deep on it, there's plenty of things that are going on right now politically that this is a great distraction for. So mm. um, I think that's what a big part of all of it is. But the the part of me that wants to fucking believe in like that aliens are real, because I 100 percent believe they're real. I want to believe that all this is true and they are just saying it. Like, it is so, a little weird. So bad. Right, right. Um, but the, I mean, the universe is so big, it's more likely that aliens, or we say aliens in like the Hollywood sense, but that, that other life exists, it's actually more likely that that exists rather than not because of how big it all is. Did you watch, um, it was uh, Interstellar? Of course, dude. Oh, Great movie. Beautiful. Yeah, that was... Uh, kind of kind of wonder i know this has been theorized but it, it would be interesting to find out you know it's like matthew mcconaughey <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, matthew, yeah it's been matthew mcconaughey the whole time right <laughs> yeah no, that would be really amazing to see if that's even a glimpse of even if that's possible or 
anything close to it, you know? Probably. And the rewatch on that movie is also, like, just as good, just as emotional. It's hard for a movie to pull that off, like, the second time you view it, and it's still, like, riveting. We recently had a band date uh, to see Oppenheimer, which was also... Um, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I just saw it last night. Really? Sick. Mm-hmm. What did you what'd you think? Um, I thought it was good. I mean, Christopher Nolan is a great filmmaker. Um, I think something like that, it, it was interesting because it's almost like a play, the way that the movie is kind of set, you know? Because mm-hmm. really, it, it it's really about the interaction and like the emotional weight of the dude who created this fucking atomic bomb. And of course, like spoiler alert, if anyone, you know, is listening who hasn't seen it, there's that whole thing with where you see uh, Robert Downey Jr. for like the first two thirds of the movie and you think he's like friends with Oppenheimer and he likes him, but he was using him as basically a political pawn. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see the story of like you can make an argument that uh, Oppenheimer is the, maybe the most important person that has existed in human history. One of them, for sure. I mean, he didn't do it alone, but... He didn't do it alone. He does get he the... He spearheaded the whole thing, though. Yeah, he does get the... And he was smart enough to assemble the team that was yeah. able to get it done. So, obviously, he's got the namesake for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of important people in history, but when it comes to, like, the world was different because of his work, yeah. I mean, the movie clearly makes that point very viscerally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was uh what did you guys think of it? I really enjoyed it. I think that I would soak in a lot of the details more on the second watch. Yeah. Um totally. not not to have like a cop out answer, but like there's a lot of there's a lot going in the movie on. where like some of the most important things are whispered. Or like yeah. it's like a muffled conversation or it's just a fleeting like name drop or something that ties back an hour later. So I think the first watch it was like enjoyable, but I think I would like really understand it the most if i saw it again yeah no there was a lot going on what did you think well i mean about the same you know it was tough to absorb a lot of it i feel like i I went into it with a very limited knowledge of the history of it and like world war one and world war two but i've I've, these things have been popping up um more about it i guess you know i've slowly been uh getting getting more into like i just read uh, slaughterhouse five um, which was Kurt Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut book cool. that was uh, based on World War II. And so I'm slowly learning a little bit more about it, you know, and uh, I, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was at the time, you know, the 40s. You don't really hear as much about the 40s. I feel like it's all about um, Prohibition era in the 30s yeah. and then the swinging 20s. or And then it know, jumps to the 50s ju- yeah, you with rock really... and roll. and Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wasn't really – I went in it, into the movie with no – knowledge of you know besides it was the the atomic bomb yeah it it was kind of a head trip to see i mean it showed that he was a human like everybody else for sure because you know he that whole thing where he had that affair with that uh with that woman who was a communist and like the whole communist subplot that was a thing yeah and it was interesting to see that used against him and like at the time they didn't give a fuck but then they used it to kind of try and slander him and like keep him down afterwards when he seemed like he was like one foot in one foot out he wasn't really a communist but he wasn't not a communist either you know he was an open-minded person yeah Yeah. open-minded yeah (laughs) but it was cool to see at the end you know and and not trying to glorify you know what happened but uh it, it like you said it showed that he was human and that he had some regrets about 
you know, um, some things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. It was, uh, Christopher Nolan is awesome. Uh, Inception was one of my favorite movies and it took me a few times of watching that to really understand. films are very layered. Yeah. Yeah. Very layered. And he plays with time a lot. He plays with, uh, what's happening now and you know the the past present future basically yeah the um the way that he'll weave that on top of itself yeah is super interesting to I mean, keep from, the narrative moving along yeah from every movie from inception to dunkirk to oppenheimer i mean he's he's messing with time you know that is always kind of surprising the viewers expectations yeah that's like his part of his fingerprint did you yeah, see yeah. tenet uh, yes, that one was probably his furthest reach. I watched it on an airplane, actually. Yeah. Um, it was still good. I mean, it's it's not quite as... It's a little all over the place. It's got more loopholes yeah. than <laughs> other his other movies. But, like, when it just comes down to, like, a cool ball-busting action movie, like, it was sick. Well, that scene where he crashes the fucking plane into the hangar was pretty cool. Right. Right. Um, I, remember that. I, I appreciate the use of practical effects yeah. uh, in his movies. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I actually just heard that, uh, speaking of practical effects, because, um, you know, I love that sort of thing, too. Um, evidently, and, and Danny, you might have to fact check me on this, but Spider-Man, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, they trained a spider to bite on oh. command instead of using CGI. No, no way. That's what... Dude, <laughs> you might have to fact check me on that, but let's see. Okay, let's, so, let's see. That's let's sick, see. Though. Yeah, like the the original Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter. Yeah, I loved, um, because you know it was like they were actually in a set built like a built to, to be the castle. Yeah, and I think they started Hogwarts. using CGI and it got a little. Well, yeah, later on. And yeah. then you got to train an owl like Hedwig to like land on your arm <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah. like drop the note to you. That's super cool. I love that stuff. That's Dude, cool. Harry Potter was a big deal when it came out. I was probably in the fourth grade whenever it happened. I uh, I wrote. Uh, we had at my school, my elementary school, we had to write a story to try and win a ticket like a free movie ticket so we could go see Harry Potter. And I wrote one and I won. Um, what was your story? I I can't fucking remember what what it was about, but it was something Harry Potter influenced. Um, so it was... Uh, this is it. This yeah, is... that's right here on Reddit. It was the only place I yeah, could find it. Yeah, super credible. Brained. It says it right here. In Spider-Man 2002, for the scene where the spider bites Peter... Sam Raimi ruled ruled out using a digital spider. The director wanted to use a black widow, but being dangerously poisonous, he ended up choosing a Statota Grossa, which was was painted and trained by specialist Stephen Kutcher. It's true. Can you imagine being the dude that they call you and they're like, hey, we we need you to to train this spider to to bite (laughs) on This right here, the top comment. Just like uh, train him with flies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. How does someone train a spider? I mean, that's that's wild, dude. Or like the Lord of the Rings. That was uh, a lot of that was uh, on location. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Fucking the Shire is still there. And like thousands of extras to make like the orc army. Like they did like apparently film real people and then digitally like duplicate it to make it look like there's like 10,000 orcs you know what I mean but like so some of it is CGI but most of the important stuff is like you know they had a ton of extras for that movie 
Yeah. You know, that's super cool. Movies are great, dude. I feel like movies inspire songs a lot, and uh, we don't even have to tie it back to music. It's really just like, it's a great way to consume um, an art form because yeah. it's entertaining and it's thought provoking. Um, yeah, dude, movies are great. I go to the movies at least once a month. Really? Nice. Me and my dad go. Yeah, I, I probably. You go out to the movies. Yeah, we go to the movie theater. Good for you. And I, I enjoy it, man. I, I still like going to the theater. Uh, this year, I've I've seen a ton of movies in the theater. I saw first movie I saw. I saw that movie Megan. Did you guys have you guys seen nah. that? No. Um. So it's about an AI doll that gets created, and she basically becomes sent. She's sentient, and it's it's a horror movie. It's like oh, sci-fi perfect. horror. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's it's it was really good, honestly. It was a PG-13 movie. I wish it would have been R. <laughs> sure. I would have liked to see more like graphic violence Something in it. Something grittier. Yeah. But it was great. Um, I didn't even realize until it was like right at the end of the movie. And I look around at the audience, and it's like a lot of teenage kids. I'm like, shit, there's a lot of kids in here for an R-rated movie. And then I was like, oh, this is PG-13. Yeah. Um, teenage flick, for sure. Yeah, it was fantastic. If you get the chance to watch it, Megan. watch it. All right. 10 out of 10. Wow, recommend 10 out of 10. for no horror way. movie, yeah. Okay, sure, sure, sure. It's for a horror category. movie, yeah. Are you yeah. into Black Mirror? I've never watched Black Mirror. <sighs> I know about it, but I don't want to get horribly depressed by watching it. Dude, because I feel like it would leave me hopeless. Dude, I gotta say that one. Jonah's awful. Oh man, Jonah's awful. Turn oh, my stomach, dude. Okay, best Black Black Mirror <laughs> episode: Lock Henry. And that's the one, yeah, I only saw the so, first of the new season. So goddamn but. good, dude. Locke Henry, literally, oh my god, such a juice. This this episode here, Taylor, is a mini horror movie. It is a one hour long horror movie. It's, you're going to love that. that j- if you just watch that one episode. Okay. That's really good. Um, it, is it weird? Because I'm into weird. It, it Yes, and it plays and looks and feels and has the suspense and the surprise of a classic horror movie and um black mirror is great i mean it definitely challenges the like a modern day twilight zone yeah yeah it is that's a great way to put it i mean i'm sure i'm not the first person but great way it's to think about it's it. it's cool i mean the the first episode of the newest season that i watched was like basically about ai and how you know her phone was listening to her and it was uh creating a, a episode that she was able to watch on the, this Netflix in the show that was like using the CGI to rewrite her story in real time and, and she was able to watch it like the night after it happened. It's wild. Oh shit. We're not and far she away had, from that. She honestly. had yeah. signed away her, she didn't read the terms and conditions. And so, you know, Just it was like able to listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's wild how realistic it is. Do you know the show Atlanta? Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. That's okay. great too. Well, there's this one episode in, yeah, um, called Teddy Perkins. Oh, that one. Uh, have you seen that? Is that like the play on Michael Jackson thing? Yeah. Yeah, dude, I've totally seen that. Uh, shout out my brother Brennan. I watched that with him. It's good as fuck, but this um, kind of what you were saying, like a mini horror movie. That's yes. what this – because it's, it's like vastly different from the rest of the show. You get it. Yeah. That's exactly it. The other thing about Black Mirror through all the episodes is I find it extremely thought-provoking. Um, because of the way that our, we have certain habits and certain relationships with technology as millennials, um, that's Mm -hmm. different than other generations. And, you know, I think that guilt is often a wasted emotion. So you try to just 
you know, just self-awareness. It, it, it makes me aware whether or not I actually change my behavior. It actually, it at least makes me stop and think. Yeah. So if you're ever bored and you want to be intellectually challenged, like Black Mirror is, is great in its own right. I feel like I would enjoy it. And I do watch a lot of dark shit. It's almost it, Halloween. Yeah. It's almost Halloween for sure. Um, I feel like I, I mainly watch stuff that's one step m- removed from reality. Um, like that serial killer thing, you know, the house that Jack built, like it's based in reality, but there's something fantastical about it as well. Mm -hmm. But I think what scares me about black mirror is every, every time someone talks about it, I'm like, this is like real life. It's so close. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to stomach some of that stuff because it's like, Oh man, like, yeah, you know, they really are listening and yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the the art I think that makes the the best impact on me now. It's not even whether or not I like something. It's just something that stays with me after I absorb it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Quentin Tarantino movies are like that. I'll be thinking about it the next day. We just saw Danny and I just saw Queens of the Stone Age at Ascend Saturday that, night. Yeah, that was something that stuck with me too. It was just it was it was incredible, dude. I had an amazing time. Um, it was my first time seeing them. They've been one of my favorite bands for a long ass time. Um, and it was cool just to see them play. They were loud as fuck. They had a cool lighting stage. They opened up with no one knows, which is just a drop, drop your dick on the table move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Danny, what did you think, bud? Oh, you saw it too. It was awesome. It, It was my first time seeing them and they kicked ass. Cool. I actually have the. If you want to watch just a little bit, of, yeah, we can we can watch just a little bit. They of have the a beginning. clip of the opener. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is like right when we were finally meeting up with some friends. Oh, this is close too, like a fan shot. Yeah. Oh, they're like third row. What a cool venue too, having the skyline in the background. Oh yeah. Triangular. Yeah, their lighting setup was super cool. They have such a unique sound. It's very dry and focused and, like, down-tuned. Yeah. Very minor. Yeah, oh yeah. Shuffly. He's a proper rock star. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, uh, cool. it was it was great, man. I had such a good time. We didn't catch the opening bands, um, but it was cool. At one point during the set, uh, he stops the show. Danny, do you want to jump in and, and talk about this? Yeah. So basically, he there. My I was in the bathroom when I heard it happen, but I I literally heard. Um, what's his last Josh? Uh, Hami. Hami. I hear him go, security, security, security. And I'm like, oh shit, something's going down. Oh, God. And he's actually yelling at security to let, like, leave a guy alone because at Ascend, they, they get really particular about, like, where you stand because it's, like, pretty open seating. We and got, they got in trouble the, for it. They've got the field in the back. And I guess, uh, I guess he saw like security kind of like messing with a patron and they literally stopped their song and he goes, just let him stand wherever he wants. 
life's hard and he he he's here to enjoy the show just like everyone else just let him stand there and he like stopped the show to like tell security yeah they were so like playing a song and he's like hold on a second guys hold on a second guys that's tough yeah because you kind of want to respect security because they're doing something difficult you know what i mean they're keeping the show safe they have their rules but also like if you see something that is not fair to you and your in your own eyes like you do have that platform to try to oh he took it dude because he even said he said you're doing a great job but he's like tonight you work you work for me wow so he he definitely made like a a a mic drop statement controversial yeah but um it was it was cool man they were incredible i i've loved them for probably 10 years now and it was nice to finally be able to see them live. Because, like, my, my big three for, like, modern rock acts, I would say the Black Keys, Queens of the Stone Age, and Arctic Monkeys. Sweet. Um, and uh, Danny and I saw the Black Keys a couple weeks yeah, ago when they was, were here. How was it in oh, bro, being bro, in bro, amazing? Bro. Incredible, dude. It's such a small – I mean, it's not really – It's, it's small compared small to, like, Bridgestone. What they, they normally do, yeah. Yeah. Um, Why did they book such a small venue? Was it just like an exclusive like pop-up show, basically? Yeah, because there was a release for um, this uh, this compilation from Dan's label, Easy Eye Sound, cool. uh, called Tell Everybody, and it was a blues compilation. So they came out and they played um, songs from their, uh, their album, Delta Cream, the Black Keys album, Delta mm-hmm. Cream. That was all like blues covers. Uh, and then they closed their set with uh heard it through the grapevine you could play a little bit of that Danny. that's sick i think i saw um some of danny's uh tiktok and it was like yeah. i couldn't believe how close you know to the band he was when we saw him at bridgestone like we were up in the nosebleeds and it was uh it was a great show we were just this is cool to be so close yeah, uh, we we weren't quite this close, but we were pretty fucking close. Like, on the opposite side. But yeah, it was uh, it was great. Um, it was, I really enjoyed that. I've been getting very inspired. I've been going to a ton of concerts these past, this past, like, month or so. I saw John Fogarty with my dad um, at uh, First Bank Amphitheater down oh, in Franklin. Oh, sweet. That was dope as fuck. Have you guys been there before, First Maybe. Bank? No. Um. So it is. Yeah, Danny, pull up a it's picture of that shit. The ascend of Franklin. Pretty much, but it's it's like uh in this rock quarry. It's carved out. Um, oh, cool! Like cool. little red rocks, kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So yeah, here we go. Oh, that's actually beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go see a show here, do it. I'm trying to get some pictures. Let's see. It looks like uh yeah yeah here we go. Hmm. But it was crazy because in between songs, you're just out in the middle of the woods, so you can hear just a symphony of crickets, and it felt appropriate uh, seeing John Fogarty, and then in between songs, it was a symphony of, of like wildlife and nature, you know? That's cool. Um, but it was really fucking cool. Yeah, dude. It 10 out of 10 recommend a show there. If, wow. you, if you get that a chance nice. to, it's great. It was... Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when it was super hot in July, um, but it had cooled down a little bit at night, it was, but it's still hot at night. Let's be honest. This is, uh, where is this at? Franklin. Franklin. Okay. First bank. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Greta Van Fleet was the first band to play there. 
Oh, so this wow. is a, this is a new. No, good for that. I feel like I remember hearing that this is a new venue. Yeah, I think it's like maybe a year too old. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of big acts are coming through um, to play there. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And then next month, I'm trying to uh, to go to it. Um, Arctic Monkeys are playing at uh, Ascent. Wow, dude, maybe I'll hit that one up. Yeah, they're really, playing two nights. I really liked their. Um, well, I'm a big fan of Arctic Monkeys, like early stuff, but I, I actually really like their new stuff too. I hadn't um, taken a chance to listen to it, but it's really cool how they have just kind of done their own thing and Changed. and. But it's it's still them, and it's it's really cool. Like it's uh, very, um, it's very them, but it's also so different. Yeah, know? well, they're they're a band who's gone through many different phases and changes. You know, I, I think uh, the first Arctic Monkeys album came out when I was a, a freshman in high school, and there was this girl that I had a really big crush on who was obsessed with Alex Turner. So I hated them when I, I was like a freshman in high school Naturally. or yeah, it was around that time period. Um, but anyways, I didn't end up liking them until several years later, but I realized every time that an Arctic monkeys album has come out, like I've always bought it day of release, like went to the record store to go buy it. And I was just eventually like, oh, I actually kind of like this band. Their third album, Humbug, was produced by Josh of Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that you know the song Crying Lightning? Actually, don't. Yeah, so it it's, it, it doesn't really have any big hits on that, that one. Um, but it's definitely a lot weirder and a lot darker than their previous two albums. Their album nice. after that was Suck It and See, which I saw them on that tour when they toured the U.S. because they opened for the Black Keys. And then their next album after that was um, was A.M. That was a huge hit in America. Yeah, that was the one that was, was big. Um, that was definitely like the breakthrough for American audiences. For yeah, sure. and then that album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, is a huge left turn from A.M. It's yeah. like way more artistic, and now... Good They're, for them for having the the boldness to do that. Like even at the expense of their fan base. Like yeah. I don't know. They're just like saying, "Hey, this is what we want to make." Like, well, hey, you can make an argument that them following that is what people want. Then there's a lot of people, of course, that are, are going to want. Do I want to know over and over again? You know <laughs> what I mean? Sure. And there's there's bands that do that, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I respect them that they're like, "Nah, fuck it. We're just going to be something entirely different." Have you heard of um, Late of the Pier? No. They are a band that uh, I think they only had one album, but uh, very experimental, but also very... Oh, they're English. I had no idea. Yeah, they're very... Uh, that Fantasy Black Channel is the, the one album. And uh, I mean, uh, Bears Are Coming is cool. But they're they're kind of a Arctic Monkeys... Um, but they almost go a little more electronic than... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're... Like, glitch, like, glitchy stuff. It's cool. It's funky. Um, the ending of Fokker goes really hard. Like, the yeah. last, like, Space the last in the woods. 40 seconds of Fokker. Or, like, yeah, uh, what did you say? Space in the Woods? Yeah, any of that is... Yeah. It goes really hard. Yeah, I'll have to check them Check them out. 2008? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah way, I, way was, I was a fucking... So ahead of their time. I think maybe a junior in high school when that probably came out. Wow. But, um, yeah, there, there's been a lot of stuff that uh, I was uh, 
too too cool for at one point turned my nose up at and then i eventually ended up loving it <laughs> arctic monkeys was one of those things isn't that funny how that goes like um i mean not to name any artists but there's so many artists where when i was in grade school i was really all about classic rock like i was like a classic rock purist i was like if it ain't the beatles or led zeppelin or the rolling stones then get out of here you know or, or aerosmith like maybe but then I realized, like, after growing up a bit and essentially getting bored with hearing all the same stuff, I came back to appreciate a lot of albums and a lot of artists that I had missed, like, from 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. And just taking a step back and respecting the whole musical timeline for what it is, you know. I don't know. Just... No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think uh, I kind of feel the same way looking looking back, you know. I think for, for a long time I was a purist about stuff and then eventually just your tastes start to mature and you start to grow. And it's like, if you're going to grow and mature as a musician, you have to be trying new things and listening to new things. Hmm. Um, it's kind of what you guys were talking about before we got started doing the podcast today mm -hmm. about Max Martin. You're talking about listening to the playlist. What got you into to listening to Max Martin? Is that me or you, Derek? Um, you can answer. Oh, I mean, so this is an interesting thing. This is just to share kind of like a, a wave I've been on recently. Like we go through phases with our taste, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I was like, oh, that's just silly pop music. Like it's the same four chords. It's bubblegum. It's formulaic, blah, blah, blah. Um, but lately what I've been going through is realizing like, even if it's uh, uh, sometimes a bit silly, there's things about a lot of songs that Max Martin has been a part of. It's not all about Max Martin. It's mostly about the artists that he works with too, because they're creative geniuses in their own right. But it's like realizing that it has certain it's so hooky it, on so many levels it's not all just about melody or it's it, it might have a great beat or it might have a great underlick or it's just it gets your attention quickly and it also holds your attention just as easily um you know you can go on spotify and type in the max martin playlist and you shuffle it and I, again some of it's a little corny like i get it but um, I just hear, hear something in a lot of those songs where uh, it's not about pleasing the masses just for popularity's sake, but there's something undeniably enjoyable about all those songs and oh, yeah. enduring about those songs. So I've been listening to that on shuffle, like, you know, embarrassingly enough, like listening to Backstreet Boys and in, uh, Britney Spears. And there's Katie nothing embarrassing Perry. about it, in my opinion. It's, dude. I'm chuckling at myself, but it's like he's just had his hand on so many hits that there's something about those songs that is super engaging to me that I want to bring into my own artistry. Well, you you look at uh just his his credits here that we're looking at. I mean, Avril Lavigne, Britney mm -hmm. Spears, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Taylor Swift, yeah, The Weeknd. Oh um, yeah, it's just hit after hit after hit, and uh, he's got obviously a great ear. Um, you can make uh, an argument that he's the, like the greatest producer from his generation. He's totally like the the king of modern pop. Yeah, one hundred percent. From a writing or a producing standpoint, I mean, he can't. He doesn't perform live, but you know. And yeah. It's also just as much about 
the brilliance of the artists that he works with. Like he's not doing all the work. No, but he kn- he knows how to to highlight. Like that that's what a good producer does. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because it's like you you uh, I kissed a girl by Katy Perry or um, one more hit me baby one more time by Britney Spears. Those are like signature songs for those artists. Exactly, dude. And I feel like he. Is the guy that you go to, dude? I had the biggest crush on Katy Perry when I was in high school. Totally. Bro. Oh I'm my so- god, I was in love with her, dude. When she was on Warp Tour and shit. Who is that? Uh, uh, can't be tamed. Oh, that was Miley Cyrus. My bad. My bad. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, same era though of same crush era. of yeah. of teenage crush. Yeah. I'm sorry to be that guy. Can I run to the restroom? Absolutely. Go ahead. We'll keep cool. going. You're good. Nice. Yeah, dude, Katy Perry on the fucking Warp Tour. Warp Tour. Bro. Okay, oh, tell me man. about Warp Tour. Did you guys ever I, do Warp Tour? No, I never, I never that, did Warp Tour, but I never knew that Katy Perry played Warp Tour. She's usually in a rock band or so, what? So originally, when she came out, she was being marketed as a like uh, Christian artist, right? Well, that was her her that was before she was Katy Perry. Ah, uh, she got her start in Nashville. That was still when she was uh, uh, Catherine Hudson. Because that's her, her actual name, but Katy Perry is her stage name. I think Perry's maybe her mother's maiden name or something like wow. that. But originally, she was like a uh, a fucking... They they marketed her as like an alt-rock girl. But she that's was dope. very pop. Her first album, One of the, one of the Boys... Um, well, Max Martin... Boys, yeah, yeah, I know you know what that's you mean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that one is actually produced by Butch Walker, um, who is in a wow. band called The Marvelous Three. Mm. But yeah, see, Katie Hudson, there we go, right there. Perry released a, a gospel record wow. titled Katie Hudson under um, Red Hill Records, which was commercially commercially unsuccessful. Wow. Yeah. Pop rock, which is first. And then she went more like synth, like mainstream pop. Yeah. So it was after uh, her second album, Teenage Dream. Click on that one because I want to see who produced that one. So let's go. Let's scroll down. Okay. So Max Martin was on this. Oh, Oh, shit. Benny Blanco, dude. Yeah. And Dr. Luke. I mean, those... Dr. Those Luke's guys a are like though, bro. those guys are definitely like producer well, wizards. They stack vocals a certain way. Yeah. They just have an ear for like getting tones really quickly. That like when those guys make a demo, it's literally like eighty percent the mastered version. Like when they when they make a demo, it's like they keep the the shit from the demo in the master. Like, really, more often than not, I like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just cool. That's just how it comes out because they're. Their tones and like their their palette is so refined. Definitely people I look up to. You know, there's a lot of producers I look up to, but um, those guys are definitely cool. Danny, can you scroll down some? I want to see what the breakdown was of who produced what on this album. Like, go down to where it says like track list and shit. Okay, let's see. It it'll be towards the bottom. And yeah, the single. the Teenage Dream was a classic record. I mean, other than that, it's just been. I've been trying to change up my listening diet and like not listen to rock so that I can bring something that I'm excited about to rock. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, like, absolutely. No, you got to have different stuff. Yeah. Um to, to influence you. Okay, here we go. So they're a little bit smattered throughout the Yeah, it's it's album. a good mix of of all of them. Um Dr. Luke, dude, he uh, he got canceled for a while. Um, oh damn! Was he the one that did the scandal with Kesha? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Fuck him. Yeah. I'm gonna say it on the radio, dude. Yeah. Fuck Doctor. Yeah. Doctor. Doctor Luke's a scumbag. 
I don't but look up to anything about that. He's a he's a great producer, though, I will say. Sure. He's a fantastic producer. But you, you got to think, there's all sorts of weird fucking people. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, Be My Baby. Phil Spector. Dude, right? Like, one of the greatest artists. Um, Michael the, Jackson, dude. Like, yeah. There's the, I mean... And a lot of like a lot of glorified rock stars. I mean, I don't want to get into this conversation, but it's like it is a thing of like you must separate the the art from the artist, and it's difficult sometimes. A lot of times, when you're praising or or glorifying or complimenting somebody's artistic work, it's truly not the same as exalting them as no. a person. And that's I agree with that. I've had to learn that lesson more than once. I've had a lot of my heroes, like quote unquote heroes, like Disappoint just you. just shattered in front of my own yeah. eyes because it's like i can't believe they did that and i it's never quite the same though you know what i mean i think that it, it's only separable to a certain degree you can separate it in conversation but yeah the impact and maybe some of the trauma that they've caused or some of the pain that they've caused by their wrongdoing like is is just as real as the the good they created or it's just as real as the art they created so you got to take it all into into the same consideration it's, it's everything is on a spectrum too yeah you know what i mean like uh it, phil specter he murdered that woman but god damn he was a great fucking producer like he was responsible for creating a whole um the whole teen pop industry that was really him that kickstarted that because he was not only a great producer, he was a, a he was a ruthless businessman um, and an entrepreneur. So he had uh, his record label Phillies, um, and that's where he had all of these acts signed to. And also, the other thing about him was he um, he would sign people to really bad deals. Like he pretty much owned Ronnie Spector, his his wife, the singer. Yeah, that's the, awful. Yeah, of, of the Ronettes. So it's like, but people don't know about this shit until it comes out years after the fact like he worked with the Ramones yeah Yeah. it's it's more about like I don't know you you definitely have to acknowledge the the wrong and the 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 crimes you know as much as the the accolades or I mean and and frankly for me like I can you know enjoy something that somebody made regardless of who they were as a person but once you find out that information do you ever really enjoy it the same like in my opinion I think that's a Question that is for everybody to answer themselves, but in my opinion, no. If I know something about a person and the wrong that they've done, it does change, you know, my view of their art, even just slightly. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Michael Jackson was the most talented pedophile that ever existed. (laughs) Where can people find you boys at? Yeah, we're all over uh, the internet, wherever you can listen to music, Spotify, YouTube. Um... We're, we've got a new song coming out later this year. Um, we got the new video up all night on Check YouTube. Check it out. Can I yeah. play it at the end of this episode? Yeah, you can That'd find us awesome. in your pocket. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 yeah, it's true. Okay, cool. Well, uh, keep on dreaming. See you next week. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. Peace. You got it.
Bye.